Hey there, welcome to Fleet FYIs, the weekly podcast by Utilimark that reveals how you can make the most of your data for Sperner fleet management. My name is Gretchen, and every week you'll hear from me and some of the industry's finest in candid conversations that will shed some light on not only two decades worth of data insights, but some of the industry's hottest talking points and key metric analysis with the aim to help you better understand your fleet from every angle. But before we begin, if this is the first time you've heard our show, thanks for stopping by. I'm so glad you decided to come along for the ride with us. But I've got a quick favor to ask you. Once you've finished today's episode, if you could take a few minutes to leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform, we would really appreciate it. Give us a rating, five stars I hope, or tell us what you liked or leave us a comment or a question about what you've heard in today's episode. But if we haven't yet covered a topic that you're interested in hearing more about, let us know. We would be happy to go over it in detail in a later episode. If that sounds good to you, let's get back to the show. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Fleet FYI's podcast. How are you all doing today? I, for one, am looking forward to the weekend. Minnesota had a bit of an Arctic blast, to say the least, last week. Hello, negative 35 degree wind chill, negative 37 for all my Celsius folks out there. This weekend, it's supposed to be just a little bit better. You know, we're back above zero and there's some much needed sunshine that will make being outdoors quite enjoyable indeed. At least I think so. But back to the topic at hand, because I'm sure most Midwesterners will agree with me here. We could talk about the weather for a long time. Um, We're almost known for it. But this week, we're back with part two of the new series that I'd introduced last week with Dave Meisel, who's the Executive Vice President of Operations with Quanta Services. Last week, Dave spoke about sustainability and some of the consequences that many people, including myself, don't always think about when it comes to the push to electrify a fleet and, for that matter, electric vehicles in general. He also spoke about the shift in generational attitude when it comes to sustainability, and personally, I found that incredibly fascinating because what I'm learning now is that it does differ, but that's not always the case. So if you haven't yet listened to that episode, which I would highly recommend that you do, make sure you add it to your queue to listen to once you finish this one, because you won't want to miss what he has to say today. This whole conversation around sustainability and electrification, it leads perfectly into what we're continuing this sustainability mini-series with today, which it's what we can look forward to in the fleet industry for 2021 and beyond. I think you'll really enjoy this episode. I certainly gained a lot of insight from it myself, and especially when you add in the changes in fleet management from throwing COVID-19 into the mix. I mean, talk about a skew of the data there. But without further ado, let's jump in because I can't wait for you to hear this one. All right, Dave, we are back for the second week in a row. Let's get started with this episode by chatting about 2021. It's a new year with hopefully, fingers crossed, a little bit more of a normal outlook for operations to come. Now, keeping this in mind, have you seen any just in this first month of the year, have you seen any emerging trends for the fleet industry just come out sticking like a sore thumb? Um, you know, I, I will say I think there's there's several things that are uh starting to stick out anyways. And when you look at the amount of major manufacturers that are now talking about 
changing from gasoline and diesel to electricity. Um, it's no longer, you know, these tiny little startup companies. It's now really big companies, you know, the General Motors and the Fords. And, and they're not just talking about little vehicles anymore, these little compact cars. They're talking about pickup trucks and SUVs and, and big trucks, right? Um, that is That is what I find to be really fascinating is how quickly and at what uh, width of product line that these manufacturers are looking at. Uh, I think the second thing that I, I see, and, and I look at this maybe maybe outside of the vehicle space, um, I see companies all around now looking at this as a productivity opportunity. Um, and I will say electric vehicles slash autonomous uh, equipment. Um, you're going to need one to do the other one, and you're going to need 5G to do that well on, on you know, main populated roads. And um, So I see that as, in our industry, that's a tremendous business opportunity for the utility industry, whether it's installing 5G nodes or whether it's upgrading infrastructure or building charging infrastructure. That's a, that's a tremendous opportunity because of this technology change in our business. Um, and then I see people looking at that and saying, gee, um, how does autonomous equipment help me? You know, when we think about responding to storms, many times the first half of somebody's day or the entire day is just driving to the storm, um, you know, and then they go to bed. And so we lose 12 or 15 hours of response time sometimes. And um, the ability to use autonomous uh, equipment or platooning of vehicles or that type of things without linemen being in them. So we can reposition equipment um, and not lose the hours from the lineman's day. Uh, that That is a tremendous productivity initiative. And I don't necessarily mean that from a profitability perspective, but when you think about how productive our linemen are when they're in a storm, they can do a tremendous amount of work in 12 or 15 hours. And, you know, I'd rather have them hit any storm and, and hit their, you know, kind of their uh, rebuilding efforts the first hour they're there, not, you know, spend 10 or 12 hours driving there, then go to sleep, then the next day get up and do it. Um, it's all about how fast we respond to our customers. And, um, you know, the, the world today depends on electricity more than ever before, um, you know, for phones and, and everything. And um, so I think when we think about the, the productiveness of our crews and the ability to get them to an emergency and get them working as fast as possible, I think autonomous uh, technology is going to drastically improve that. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that, but that's, um, that's going to be interesting to watch. Certainly. And, you know, I liked what you said about electrification, um, because obviously there's been a massive push in the last few years for introducing more electric vehicles and potentially um, exploring their opportunities within fleets that aren't just passenger fleets like rental cars. Do you right. think the attitude has shifted at all surrounding fleet electrification or has it remained relatively consistent with the I'm not sure if this would truly work for utility fleets or other similar types like construction, municipality, what have you. Well, I think it's absolutely shifted. And, um, you know, uh, I talked earlier about, you know, this is the, the market has to be ready for it and, the, and it's going to be buyer driven. 
vehicle today isn't the same electric vehicle as even five years ago. The cost is significantly lower today as we, as the battery cost drop. The range is doubled, tripled, quadrupled, and tenfolded in some instances. That makes it much more practical from a user's perspective in the utility space. Um, so I absolutely believe that the desire to adopt, aside from any sustainability or environmental reasoning, uh, the, the product itself is a better product and the product in is, a, is in a better position today uh, to meet the needs of, of the application. And I don't think we had that, you know, five or six or seven years ago. Absolutely. And um, in the episode that aired last week, we spoke a little bit about maintenance and how you said from a typical internal combustion engine, there was something like 3000 parts. And then in an EV, it goes down to about 20 to 30. What do you right. think that's going to do in terms of having an impact on maintenance? Do you think if, say, for example, um, a fleet adopted a huge presence of EVs, do you think that will change their scheduled maintenance or do you think it would be similar to what they're doing now? Oh, it will absolutely change the scheduled maintenance. And I think a lot of it will be depend on application. So for example, if we're a, a pickup truck, you know, what typically drives a pickup truck is the mile driven. And that's usually, you know, a, a lubrication issue or, or a motor oil issue, right? There's no motor oil in an electric vehicle. So the need to, you know, have it at 3,000 or 5,000 or 7,000 miles just won't exist. Um, there is going to have to be some, you know, interval inspection that occurs. Uh, and we'll have to figure out what those best intervals are. But I don't think anybody I know really thinks it's going to be anywhere nearly as short as, um, as what we have today with the internal combustion. The second thing I would say is this, uh, the amount of, maintenance truck fixing is absolutely going to go, going to go down there's no if ands or no buts about it um you just have a couple of moving parts in an electric uh, you know propulsion system there's almost no wear parts um and you just don't have that in a traditional uh engine so the mechanics jobs are going or their their tasks of maintaining equipment is going to go down and the remaining ones are going to change. You know, in today's world, nobody typically will die um, if they stick a test light in the wrong cable in today's vehicles. Uh, potentially, when you have a seven or 800-volt system on an electric vehicle and somebody, you know, cuts into the wrong wire, they can get electrocuted and die. That's just not something that we, we have to deal with today. So there's going to have to be different training. There's, there's going to have to be uh, different skill sets. Uh, I talked with a gentleman yesterday and he asked me if, uh, if I believe that the mechanic of the future was going to be an electrician. And I don't think so. I think it's still going to be a mechanic, but their electrical skills and the electrical training that we give them is going to have to be significantly different. And it's going to matter a lot more. Today, like you say, if somebody is a novice working on electrical systems, you know, they might get a shock and they might burn their fingers, but uh, it wouldn't be anything more than that in most situations, right? Um, and it will be you know, potentially fatal in, in a true EV situation. So um, their job is definitely going to change. How they do their work is definitely going to change. But the maintenance is definitely going to go down. I never even thought about that, if I'm being completely honest. I mean, that's just crazy to think. I mean, obviously, you know, the introduction of new training definitely makes sense. But I wouldn't have thought that there is a potential fatality risk just with 
the amount of charge that that battery would need to hold that didn't even cross my mind. Isn't that crazy? Well, but you know, yeah, it, it is and it isn't, but you have no reason to know that. And I don't mean that in a bad way, right? What I mean is most people are drivers of vehicles and they just drive it. And then there's people who fix vehicles. The people who fix them have to have a different skill set than those who drive them, right? And I will say one thing I've learned about mechanics over the years. I mean, I started as a mechanic a million years ago and um, they are, are passionate about what they do. They love their job. They love to learn. They love technology uh, in general. And, um, and they'll learn this too, right? It's not the first time we've changed technology on mechanics. Um, you know, they, that's a constantly uh, changing environment for mechanics. Now, this is the first time we've done a big propulsion system change in their lifetime, but it's not the first time we've upgraded technology on them. So uh, they will make the transition. I'm not worried about that. But I think when you look at just the raw volume, you may need fewer mechanics, just a different skill set. That would be my guess. Um, and I guess that remains to be seen, but I think that'll be a foregone conclusion here. And we'll, we'll be able to do that math. Over the next couple of years, as we get more density of these types of vehicles, they, it's a broader volume and a broad, broader number of makes and models that get out there. Then we'll be able to do the math and make those decisions with a, a bit more certainty. But directionally, I think that's what's going to occur. Yeah, absolutely. So if we shifted gears a little bit, staying on the maintenance track, but maybe more looking at internal combustion engines, do you think from this last year, I mean, obviously COVID was a huge factor in perhaps the increasing of usage for fleets with just using different vehicles so they could keep only one driver per um, vehicle used. Do you think there's going to be an increase in maintenance needed, um, almost like a backlog type scenario, just from the amount of assets that were used in the last year? Um, I don't think so. And then uh, I mean, let me give you my logic on that. You know, there were certainly situations where we added pieces of equipment so that we could, you know, limit the amount of, of contact that, you know, maybe a crew might have. Um, but in many cases, we saw the total volume of work go down in different pieces of the business. So if you were to look at the gas industry, and I think the pipeline industry, um, you know, they, they went down significantly in the amount of work that was available in that industry in total, um, just because they tend to work in, in large groups, right? And, and that didn't really pass anybody's idea of a good idea. Um, the electric side was very, very busy. Um, and so I think in one respect, yes, you definitely expanded the, the number of, of vehicles in one piece of the business, but I think you lowered the, the amount of work in other pieces of other businesses. And I don't think we've seen anything when you add it all up, that's significantly different. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I get it. And I guess if somebody had a very focused business, they could see a, a pop because of their business. But if you had a broader business, I, I don't think we've seen that. Fair enough. You know, that would have been probably, I think, one of my most, I would say, top five assumptions just from the amount of assets that were being used over the last year. I definitely would have thought that maintenance costs would have been up just from keeping people in separate vehicles, like, you know, one person per cab. I definitely would have thought that maintenance would have gone up this year. Yeah, and I, and I don't think you're wrong at all, honestly. It, it just depends on how broad you look, right? 
if you're at a at a at companies that that had a high density of those types of roles, their costs absolutely would have gone up. Um, but what we have to remember is there's an awful lot of people not working, an awful lot of people not working, and many of them in in the industries that we work in or that we serve. And so, for I don't, I don't know that this is the right math, but for every one that's got twice as much work, there's one that's got no work, and you end up back at ground zero. Um, so. Uh, I can just tell you when I look at our organization in total, I, I don't see that. I don't, I don't think any of our companies are feeling that. Um, but I'm sure there are some that definitely are. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So um, just to get started in wrapping this up, if you had to give me maybe, say, top three, what are some of the trends in the industry that maybe you're most looking forward to seeing come to fruition, either maybe in 2021 or in the next few coming years? Uh, well, Sorry to put you on the spot uh, there. <laughs> I will tell you, I'm going to give you a, a one, a one A, and a three. Sounds um, good. <laughs> you know, I, I think the trend that I think is going to absolutely change the way we do business is going to be electrification. Um, and, and I think it splits at that term. I think there's a charging infrastructure component to that that is absolutely going to change the way that we all live, the way that, that we all do business. Um, companies are going to have to look at how they fuel differently. Uh, the technology, you know, you can't fuel an electric vehicle today in three minutes like you can a car. And that doesn't sound much, but if you're third in line at the fueling station, you have to wait an hour to recharge your car, right? Because to get 80% charge on most of them, even in fast charging, is 20 minutes. Um, I don't think we've kind of factored that in yet and what that, that's going to look like. Um, the idea that, you know, well, you can charge at home is great, but most homes can't charge one of the longer range batteries, even in 24 hours, the house just doesn't put out enough electricity to charge the battery. Um, so I think that is both going to be super exciting to see how that plays out. Um, and I think that's going to be a real challenge area as well. Um, and then I, I put the electric vehicle as kind of the one A on that. Um, absolutely, every manufacturer I deal with every day is all working on electrification all across the spectrum of vehicles. Um, and, and I don't think we've begun to see the types and the width of equipment that's going to be electrified over the next several years. And that's going to be really exciting. Uh, then I would say my, my number three would be, uh, you know, the autonomous side of this. It's not nearly as ready as electrification is. Um, but it is, you know, quickly coming up behind it. And um, that, too, has an infrastructure component with the 5G, installing that, getting a density that you need for redundancy and whatnot. Um, but that, that has the ability to absolutely change our business in ways I don't think we understand yet. Um, electrification, for the most part, doesn't change our business in ways we don't understand. It changes it in ways we do understand. It changes the way we feel. It changes our sustainability. Um, many things like that I think we can wrap our heads around pretty quickly. But the idea that equipment can work without somebody, I don't think we truly understand that yet um, or what that could mean. And so these are two technologies that 
we just haven't seen something that can be this disruptive to what we do. Um, but it's coming. And so, and it's going to be disruptive. And the question is, is how disruptive and how do we respond to that? And that's what, that's going to be the exciting part. Absolutely. But the question is, do you think it's going to be as disruptive as changing a horse for a car? <laughs> that's the real um, question. Yeah, well, you know, uh, I'll give you my view. I think it's going to be more disruptive. And let me tell you why. You know, when switching from a horse to a car, you know, takes a long time. But we are so adept at speed of change and speed of technology change today that, you know, I just think we're going to go from Gen 1 to Gen 2 to Gen 10 before we can blink. Um, and I don't think you would have that change of adoption, that, that rate of change of technology um, at the horse level. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. So do you think that there's anything else perhaps about um, looking forward in fleet in this year, or maybe even in the next couple that we haven't covered that you'd like to add? Um, you know, I, I can't really think of any. I think there's lots of, you know, kind of technologies that we all have out there today. I, I think when you look at GPS telematics, that's going to certainly mature. Um, um, and you're going to see a lot more, you know, apps-based, you know, in our in our vehicles, whether it's for cell phone management or whatever. Um, but I think those are those are just kind of fine-tuning what's already out there. I, I don't. I look at um, electrification and autonomous driving as as truly techn technological change that is going to be incredibly disruptive in so many different ways. I don't mean that necessarily bad way. I mean that in a good way. I don't see those other technologies out there being, it will certainly change the way we do business, but it's not going to be disruptive for the most part. Fair enough. I think so too. <laughs> I'm glad we're aligned. <laughs> All right. And that officially wraps up the second part of this three-part mini-series with Dave Meisel, all about sustainability and looking forward in fleet. I don't know about you, but with major manufacturers now switching over to the creation of electric and hybrid models, more so than ever before, I think that now is one of the most exciting times to be in a fleet or automotive industry. Because if you remember from last week, and this is speaking purely on the electric vehicle branch here... The propulsion system for a vehicle hasn't been changed or had a complete overhaul in over 100 years. The last time a change this massive happened was when we went from a horse to a petrol-powered motor, which is crazy to think about. So there's certainly space for a bit of push and pull and, of course, differing opinions on the topic. Dave also brought up an interesting point on our dependence on electricity with technology, our mobile phones, etc., but now also on the vehicle circuit. And if we look at this dependence on electricity from a maintenance perspective, just the large amount of new training for mechanics worldwide as we begin to adopt this technology is going to be really interesting to see. Mechanics certainly are one of the most important aspects of literally keeping a fleet up and running. And with the shift to electric vehicles and looking forward for different maintenance trends and different trends coming out of COVID, it'll be really interesting to see how their day-to-day -day will change in the long run. Time will certainly tell on this one, though. 
I'm curious to know what you guys thought about what Dave had to say. Let us know on LinkedIn by using the hashtag UtilamarkFleetFYIs so we can see what you think, because who knows, maybe an idea of yours just might make it into a future episode. Hey there, I think this is the time that I should cue the virtual high five because you've just finished listening to another episode of the Fleet FYI's podcast. If you're already wanting more content, head over to utilimark.com, which is utilimark with a C, U-T-I-L-I-M-A-R-C.com for the show notes and extra insights coming straight from our analysts to you. That's all from me this week. So until next time, I'll catch you later. Later.